Kia ora, I'm Alicia Wilson-Hetty from Te Taumata Tuia Iwi, Auckland's Regional Arts Trust. You're listening to Creative Capital, a podcast about advocacy and systems change. We're exploring the role that arts, creativity and culture play in Tamaki Makoto, with a focus on the people behind the work and their vision for the future. Today I'm joined with Lucky Lance. Lance is a Samoan artist based in Tamaki Makoto, part of the award-winning hip-hop trio Team Dynamite. He's also the founder and creative director behind Sky Pirates, a streetwear entity sporting an art gallery that supports local artistic endeavours. Kia ora, my name is Lance Fairpuliai, aka Lucky Lance, and uh, yeah, here we are in central Auckland. Yeah, awesome. Morena Lance. So you recently had a big milestone with the first birthday of the Sky Pirates flagship store and gallery in Kingsland. Congratulations, firstly, and happy belated birthday for last month. For our listeners that might not be familiar with Sky Pirates, could you please tell us what Sky Pirates is and what the catalyst for that co-papa was? Ah, yeah, sure. Um, So Sky Pirates is a... It's actually hard to now kind of define what it is because, and we've always had trouble with that, but ideally it's a clothing brand that supports artists. And uh, the brand came about as um, a musician first and back in 2010 we started putting out music and uh, somewhere along those lines we started receiving care packages from local brands. Yeah. And... um, Nothing was ever 4XL, so nothing would ever fit me. So everything went to Tony T's and Has Beats, yeah. who are the other two in our group, Team Dynamite. And um, yeah, I was like, decided to sponsor myself. And that's when I created this brand, Sky Pirates, which was a line out of one of the songs, but it, uh, ideally it just means sky. The sky is your dream and to pirate is to take without asking. So we're just trying to encourage the kids to pursue their dreams as we did, especially in the arts and, uh, yeah, aim for the stars. And then uh, 10 years later, yeah, we opened our flagship store here in Morningside next door. And then, yeah, just had our first birthday of the store. So Yeah, main. And and what's the response kind of been from your peers with with this artist-led run space? Yeah, it's been good and we've got we've always had good support and um it's just been interesting to navigate because you know as an artist myself and Elliot Francis Stewart who's our uh, in-house illustrator uh it's that's two artists so it's like artist led we don't we don't have much structure and business planning and and all that carry on so it's been really interesting to Slowly, slowly is our motto, put it that way. You know, we just let it grow organically, and I know a lot of people say that, but we literally do because there was no, you know, plan plan for what we're doing. We just, even I even signed that lease, you know, three-year lease with no business plan or structure, no idea, and just signed it, and that first year kind of just flew by. Yeah. And so, you know, shout out to Elliot Francis Stewart, so everything we do is all hand-drawn. So everything you see that comes from Sky Pirates has always been hand-drawn first, and that's one of our points of difference. Yeah. It's not all just, like, you know, computer-generated stuff, which 
not throwing shade, but that's what a lot of these brands are doing. It's like just a font or it's something that you can just create on a computer. So everything you see of ours, there will be an original A3 hand-drawn design hanging up somewhere or in a folder. Yeah, I love that though. I think that kind of care and attention to detail around somebody else's artistry mm. and being able to highlight highlight that is actually quite a considerate thing to be able to do. And what I love about Sky Pirates and, and your attitude towards business, I guess, is sometimes it is actually all good just to go, fuck it, let's build the plane while we fly it, see what happens. Yeah. There's some big learnings. I'm sure there's some big failures, but that's yeah. the best kind of place to learn, right? Hard. And it's funny, I saw this video on social media the other day and it was like some successful businessman who was like saying, you know, um, planning is where dreams go to die, you know, and stuff like that because people can just over plan and all they worry about is the plan and yeah. and the preparation and which is, you know, like obviously <laughs> there's many quotes that go against it as well, which I do believe. Like I'm not saying I don't plan. I'm just saying I usually end up doing stuff in the heat of the moment or in, on impulse and, and um, as in shooting that shot. Yeah. Because it's like, you know, feel the fear and do it anyway. And I learn better in the deep end and all these kind of things. So when I saw that video, I was like, felt like, yeah, he's speaking directly to me, you know? Yeah. Yeah, no, I love that. So you're an incredibly talented artist, Lance, um, and with close to two decades worth of experience and an impressive canon of work under your belt, Sky Pirates is obviously an artist-run space. And, um, yeah, I'm curious just to, to kind of probe that out a little bit more. Mm. How has the creative community across Tamaki responded and, and embraced that space of of having an artist-led space, like, really accessible to the community? Like the other creatives or yeah, the other? Yeah, yeah, just the other artists that you are in your network of and your, and your extended creative mm. family. Like, how have they responded to having yeah. access to, like, a gallery space? Yeah, we've, you know, everyone's been very, it's been well-received and a lot of people, most of the creatives and peers and that, you know, they come up and they say, love what you're doing, like all this and that, which is great. And it's because I think ideally we just wanted, we couldn't keep selling. We were just an online store originally, but uh, I would always have people coming to the house because yeah. all the stock was in the spare room yeah. and, you know, so people were reaching out and it's like, I can't keep, um, you know, serving customers like this. We need a place to go direct to customers, so we needed a, a space. And I was just looking. So I started looking for spaces, and I was even looking at – I didn't really care too much, you know, where it was or what yeah. it looked like. I just needed something. So ideally I thought I'll be like in an industry area down the back of a, yeah. you know, alleyway or something like that. And then this place popped up in Morningside, and – the price was right, and that's why I signed the lease because I was like I had done the math and I had you know I couldn't find anything better than this. And then plus it had a shop front on a busy or oh, busiest street, New North yeah. Road, and um, that's when I was like, you know, we're gonna go for this space, but because we got upstairs and downstairs. That's why we're lucky enough to call it the Sky Pirates Gallery as well. Yeah. Because I'm 
and still to this day, it's like we didn't want to kind of just look at it in one way or like we were open to what the space is supposed to look like. Yeah. And we still are. We don't want to just cement an idea on what it's supposed to look like or you can easily get attached to thinking it's a retail store or this and that. And so now we have obviously a retail space. <coughs> uh, Atomic Coffee has uh, donated a state-of-the-art coffee machine. So we got coffee, we got retail, but then we also set it up as a gallery space. Yeah, cool. So the idea behind that was that, you know, like with other stuff we're doing, we'll, I'm sure we'll get into later, it's like as long as the rent's paid and the places, you know, in credit, then we can offer the space to young aspiring artists because we want it to be a community space. And so I'm born and raised in Newton, Newton City, Eden Terrace area. So Morningside was, you know, part of that playground for me and my friends growing up. And so like I went to Corfi Intermediate up the road there in Kingsland and we used to, we just would be you know loitering around these areas yeah and so the way I saw the development happening so fast and the way it's heading it's like <clears throat> I wanted to create a space for <clears throat> excuse me like the 10 year old me the 13 year old me like these kids and that's just a fun space and it's like not just that but also for us artists and for you know Māori and Pacific artists as well, so that there is a space <clears throat> in these, <coughs> sorry, in these city areas or city fringe areas that is a safe space for us artists to come to. It's a space that people are like familiar with and happy to come along to and yeah. know that this space is for them. Yeah, and I love so, that, Lance. So that it's not just, you know, a retail space or a coffee space. As time, you know, like we're, I've just had some people reach out to me to ask to use the space because upstairs we have uh, offices. Nice. Well, a office with the big whiteboard and a proper almost boardroomish, so you can come and run workshops or you can come and, you know, do your thing. And it's like I want to – I just want it to be for the community, you know. Like I don't – I'm not too fussed. This isn't really like – because <laughs> let's not forget music is my passion. Yeah. And so ideally when I started the brand, it was just a little side hustle. But that side hustle then became more lucrative <laughs> than the main hustle. And so I had that's why I got the space because I had to tend to it because it was an opportunity that I couldn't miss, you know. And it's yeah. like if I set this up, it becomes a passive income which sets me up to go back to doing what I enjoy most and what I love, which is music. And so hopefully <laughs> I'll be, you know, getting back to that a lot more. But ideally I just want this set up and running by itself and can almost step away from it a bit, if that makes sense. You know, it does make sense. I mean, I think that's one of the, uh, yeah, I guess over the last 20 years, and I was having this conversation with a friend recently, there was at one point a lot of artist-led run spaces in mm. the city and, you know, gentrification happens and it becomes too expensive for people to access those spaces. So they've kind of slowly disappeared over time. Mm. And so it's not lost on me the importance of having artist-led spaces in the city and around around the motu for people to be able to actually utilise and access and it's not costing you an arm and a leg mm 
to be able to actually access those spaces. And then I guess the other thing that just picking up on what you're saying, has that meant that you've just been able to have a little bit more um, balance or separation, I guess, because I know for myself as as an independent practitioner too, all of my making has been at home. And so Mm. there's no separation between like, this is mahi space and this is home Mm. space. And have you felt like through the last year having a space separate from your living space that that's just been able to like feel a little bit more balanced? Nah, unfortunately not. (laughs) (laughs) I'm still working at home all the time. And because, yeah, for me, it's I'm more passionate about the music. So what you're talking about, that's what I want for my music. And so I don't ideally go into the Sky Pirates Gallery and make music. Yeah, And I don't really go in to – I do go in for the meetings and, and, you know, like to talk to artists and stuff like that. But, you know, like that stuff happens any and everywhere. Yeah. So unfortunately not. I haven't been able to get that balance, but – like like I said, this is, that first year just went so fast that it's like I feel like we're just still setting up. You know, yeah. we haven't even set up properly. Yeah. And so hopefully that will come. Yeah, cool. Yeah, hopefully. I hope so. <laughs> I would be nice. Yeah. So what advice would you give kind of these, you know, emerging younger practitioners that are watching? Because I, I feel really old saying this but it's like you know I think you and I are at that point in our careers where we are aunties and uncles mm. for the younger mm. ones coming through <laughs> and so what advice would you give emerging practitioners around them watching people like you be like setting all these different things up and and holding these co-papa? what what would be your like if you could tell younger Lance one thing about this is what you should do what would that thing be? Don't plan. No, obviously, <laughs> that, absolutely not. Like planning, I'm, <clears throat> I'm all for it, and I'm still trying to learn that yeah. part of it. But I don't know. Like for me, there's just something about self belief. Yeah. Like as long as you believe in yourself, like, and you believe in your skill sets, or you believe in your heart, like if you feel that, and I'm sure a lot of artists will. It's like that's that's really all that matters, because that's gonna help you navigate. Everything, because if you believe in yourself, it do, no one can tell you anything. Yeah. And so, you know, and I, if I was to go back and see the younger me, I just, you know, wouldn't say anything because it's like you, you're always right where you need to be and all the failures you need, like everything is, you know, you, whatever you go through is what was needed. Yeah. I believe anyway, but it's that's what I mean about the self-belief. As long as you believe in yourself, I think you'll be okay. Yeah, no, I totally agree. So you're you're one third of award winning hip hop trio Team Dynamite, which spans seventeen years. I was doing a little bit of I was doing some number crunching online. I was like, how long has Lance been doing this? And you've collaborated with some of the best and brightest talent in Aotearoa, and opened for international heavy hitters like Redman and Method Man. Hip-hop has also recently hit a bit of a milestone last year too, Mm. celebrating its 50th anniversary. What impact has hip-hop had on your life? A big, big impact, obviously, and, um, like, real big. And I I love hip-hop. I make hip-hop, and hip-hop seems to be, you know, in a lot of the stuff I do, right? DJing, emceeing, you know, 
you'll check out the back. There's plenty of uh, aerosol artworks, uh, breaking. But I think um, for me, you know, hip-hop saved my life in a yeah. sense. You know, I grew up uh, with a solo mother and so found myself always learning from friends. There was no, like, older uncles or cousins. No one in my family does music. No one ideally, you know, showed much to do with anything. But I fell in love with hip-hop when I was, you know, a kid watching, you know, Bad Boy and all that stuff on videos, recording, sitting up, recording cassette tapes from the radio, recording videos, all this stuff, which I had no idea I would eventually you know, become an artist myself like that. I just loved it and I was passionate about it. And as these years kind of rolled out, you know, it's like I really just kind of immersed myself in it. And that's like a lot of people I know, you know. So, yeah, hip-hop saved my life. Yeah, I love that. And and, and what's kind of the um, – what excites you about the hip-hop community or hip-hop culture in Aotearoa specifically? Yeah, well, it's rich at the moment, for sure. And it's just exciting to see young artists as passionate, you know, and it's exciting to see where they take it now. And, you know, like I've worked with a lot of young artists and I'm just blown away by the by the level of, um, you know, emceeing and writing and, and all that. Like church, for example, you know, I went and... Um, my friend Eden Eno from Eno and Dirty was making music with him and told me, oh, yeah, oh, this guy's something else, man. He writes really fast and blah, blah, blah. Months later down the track, like, we were all at Has Beats place with Eden and then church came around and then I was like, oh, shit, he really does write that fast, <laughs> you know? And I'm like, I was just blown away by, like, the skill set. So I was like... I just love to see it and I love to be to be a part of it and I'm excited to see what it produces for the future, especially the way us, you know, Māori and Pacific like to experiment and to go non-linear and to just merge new things and stuff. So I've always said it that, you know, we have so much potential down here that's untapped that when you think about some of our best artists, it's like we can definitely hang with the big boys yep. in America and stuff like that. And so you get people like Black Thought from The Roots, who's like, I don't think much people are coming close to that kind of level, but he's like reached out to Tom Scott, yeah. you know, because Black Thought's daughter like is a fan of Tom Scott and homebrew and stuff. And so it's like there's no reason why we can't, you know, become as successful as these artists because it's like, look at the quality of it. Yeah. And it's almost a, a well, I'm going to say better quality because it's not so saturated and we're at the bottom of the world and doing, and that's why I encourage the young artists to, you know, to find what's special about them to like work with what they have because there's so much beauty down here. Yeah. It's gonna it would be a shame to kind of veer off and try and be like America. Yeah. You know, or be like the UK. It's like take what you want from those places, but hone it on your skill sets, like your own fuckapapa, your own, you know, environment and you'll find, you know, we have 
just as exciting stories to tell, if not better. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I think there is quite a specific sound to Aotearoa, mm. and I think that's something I've really um, loved watching with our DJs that are coming out of here is they're really responding culturally to the sounds of here specifically mm. and, like, really yep. cementing it in that. And I think just as an observation of as someone who loves hip-hop too, as a listener, as a consumer of hip-hop, you can see how even I would say over the last, like, 15 years, the sound is starting to mature and mm. find its own feet here mm. in comparison to, I think... Yeah, like as a baby of the 80s and growing up as a kid of the 90s, mm. the early kind of 2000 sound of hip hop in New Zealand mm. sounded like it was mimicking something else. And I think it's just found its own, it's kind of come into its own, mm. I think. Yeah, I, I hear what you're saying because that was around the same time that Team Dynamite got involved. And I just remember there was a few reasons why obviously we started making music, but I just remember one was like, at the time, like Flow Rider and all this stuff was really popular, and and it was very, uh, it was very a sweet sound, as in like poppy, and it was very like um, degrading yeah. to you know to women and all this stuff, and like it, not that it wasn't before, but I could just see it really being about. Like it was like about the bling and it was about the, yeah. you know, um, sex, drugs and rock and roll in a sense. And it's like, I don't like to be someone to sit on the sidelines and complain. It's like, if you're going to want to do something like get in the game. Yeah. And so that's why, you know, one of the reasons why we started making music is because we just didn't want to be one of those guys like <laughs> at the party complaining about, you know, the way hip hop's hitting because I was born in 87 so yeah. I was, you know, like I was lucky enough to get the golden era of hip hop. And so that's what I mean. That's what I was recording on TV. And I was, you know, young, but I could tell, man, I'm grateful I got to like grow up on Bone, Bone Thugs and Tupac and all this stuff. Yeah. And then now what's coming across the radio was like, I only say Flowrider because that's what I remember at the time. Like that's, that's <laughs> yeah. the straw that broke the camel's back, you know, and I was like, right, let's get involved. And so since then, yeah, you can see that it's kind of come back round and especially, you know, like the boiler room set, for example, on the weekend and, and Raro, yeah, you know, and you've huge. got all these amazing, <clears throat> amazing DJs but they're incorporating all the raro sounds, you know? Yeah. Like, they're not... It's like, now the boiler room's coming to us. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and so for these kids, especially now, you're getting kids and artists who know their lineage and know, you know, or know what they love and what they love about this country and stuff, and so they're incorporating all that stuff and they understand that that's what, you know, our people want to hear. Yeah. You know, so they're not catering to just what they see for overseas market. They're like, oh, like let's make music for where we're at. Yeah. You know, and the people that are here. And I think once you do that and you start making music for yourself and what's really true to you, then that's when that overseas market start like that's our point of difference is us being here on this little, you know, rock at the bottom of the world it's like let's make that music like let's really tap into that and hone your craft get those 
hours and hours and hours and and hone that and um with that self belief and then that's when I think you refine the product and then it's then it is a matter of finding how to you know get it to the world and stuff like that and that's where I think you know I'm at yeah because now I'm starting to make connections like I'm getting people reaching out from like Tampa people in Europe you know people in these little pockets around the world that love what we do here and so soon that's why I'm you know working on new stuff and when I do it's like I'm gonna put it in these little pockets and then you look at the Spotify um you know all the 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 statistics that come in for your artist uh Spotify and you'll see man there's like it's, there's people all around the world like listening to this stuff yeah and you're sending music out there it's like to me it's only a matter of time and if it's not me then it's the next you know kid coming up and that's that's what I'm excited about like people are making moves and getting bigger and bigger and there's no denying Aotearoa artists like that's oh, how I absolutely. feel absolutely and I think yeah I would say over the last probably more concentrated in the last decade, we've really seen um, Māori and Pacific artists on a global stage just killing mm. it. And I don't think that's going to slow down anytime uh, soon. And I don't just mean music, you know. It's everything, you know. It's like that's what I mean. We have a high calibre of artistry here and it's like... Absolutely. But it's just we're just cut off from the rest of the world is the only thing and it's like, you know, trying to make it... A living well, is always it, it? it's always been yeah. you know the <clears throat> hardest part, but that's <laughs> that's why it comes back to the self belief. It's like just and just it's wild where those doors open. Like it's crazy. Like I was reflecting on this the other day, and in the last year, um, Fastwag the Arts Collective that yep. I'm in, we have shown in Brazil, Toronto, <laughs> mm. New Zealand, Australia. It's just like all these different random places where you have these opportunities where people want to hear our stories. And that's kind of wild to me. I've just been like, how did we end up here? That's mm. really mean. Hard. And, and then when they see it too, they're like, this is dope. This is great. You know, where are you from again? Yeah. You know, like, yeah, 100%. So shout out to all the Aotearoa artists who are, you know. Killing it. Going Absolutely killing it. And, you know, setting the bar. It's mean. I love it. So social enterprise is a through line through the mahi that you've been doing. What was the motivation to kind of use that model to work from? What do you mean, sorry? So like social enterprise, you've got this business model where you have the commercial component of it, but you mm. want good social outcomes for what you're doing. Yeah. That, that's a core part of kind of Sky Pirates co-papa, hey? Yeah. yeah and, but- and how have you seen that kind of filter out into the people mm. that you've been working with or the communities that you've been working with. Yeah, I guess that's it was kind of unintentional. Yeah. You know, like as an artist, that's kind of just what you do. Yeah. And so, you know, hasn't all been um, peaches and cream. You know, it's just actually been 10 years is how long we've been doing Sky Pirates-ish yeah. just over. So 2012, I had this idea of, you know, being Sky Pirates. So I went to the best artist I knew, which was Elliot Francis Stewart. He did the first print. And then it was just this, 
like learning process for the next 10 years. And yeah. I don't think people understand, you know, how kind of hard that really was because it's like, it's not looking good like a lot of the time. And it's, yeah. And as you know, like I said, there was no one in my family who ran a business. There was no one in my family who had done anything like that. We had no, you know, advice. We had no, you know, um, business mentor, like nothing. And so you're just going along, you know, learning as you go. And then next minute, it's 10 years. And over those 10 years, you seem to have built like a foundation, you know, and you have... I learned early on through music is that just how networking, how really important it was. And so, you know, like someone told me really early on is like, you know, bad news travels faster than good news in this industry and like Aotearoa is so small and stuff. So you're just cautious of these things. And then plus, I believe, you know, set your intentions. As long as you have good intention on what you're doing, then uh, that's that along with the self-belief I think is a recipe for success because I always wanted to be of service. Yeah. You know, and I wanted Sky Pirates to be of service and I wanted the music for the people. That's why if you listen to the music, there's a certain um, sound, I won't say message, but there's a certain kind of feel to it and it's because I want it to have a high frequency I want it to be yeah. you know in the state and so having that from the get-go is what kind of we stick to and so if it's not of service then we kind of don't really put it out yeah and um especially musically and for sky pirates and so that 10 years of kind of doing that builds your reputation and so everything you do in and around that is important to the result of the brand in the end. And that's why we are where we are today. And people know of us for what we do and for what we've done and for who we are. Yeah. And that's why I think if you're, you know, if you're not a good person, I don't think you're going to get very far in this country because yeah. everyone's got a really good bullshit radar and detector and stuff. Yeah, and yeah, so, yeah, totally. So if you're trying to fake something, you know, you that's not going to be your best play. It's like if you're true to yourself and true to what you're doing, you'll be okay. And that's really how we've navigated it yeah. so by being ourselves, but more importantly, by trying to be of service. And so obviously you'll have your ups and downs, but that has now, you know, built our reputation. So people know of us for all these things that we're doing and have done, but it's like no one no one yeah luckily you know no one showed us how to do that or encouraged us to do that we just did it and then as you look back and reflect you're like oh that's the social enterprise it's it's amazing Lance like I think Sky Pirates has um really great brand recognition and in terms of how people um identify the brand Mm. it is like oh those guys like Lance is a really he's a GC and they're doing really cool things for community and paying it forward and being caring. And so you should be really proud of yourself and what you've built with Sky oh, Pirates. I think it's a um, really beautiful co-papa and really inspiring. Um, and whether it's been deliberate or not, I think mm. that is kind of a side effect of you being 
a really nice man mm. who's doing cool shit. No, thank you. And, like, don't get me wrong. Like, I've had my ups and downs, like, and it's like I'm not saying I'm some, you know, perfect great guy that just is of service and has good intentions. It's like, you know, I had to learn my lessons the hard way as well. And it's like as long as you hold yourself accountable to, you know, things you've done in the past or whatever, it's like not that I've done some evil things, but it's like it's that's the beauty of this journey is like learning as you go and like understanding what works for yourself and what doesn't and then you know like just holding yourself accountable and that's what really yeah you know and being a brand that you know i'm at the forefront of it's like important so it's like you always got to be cautious of where you place yourself who you kind of interact with and stuff but yeah, it's been a definite interesting journey. And so just in case there's people out there like, hey, I saw that guy bloody horse that the bloody thing in 2000 and thing. It's like, yeah, I probably was, you know. But it's like that, that's how you like learn to like, you know. But I also think though, like, and as a, your friend and watching your journey over the last couple of years, because I've only really known you for a few years and it's been delightful, is I think you lead with a vulnerability, which is really refreshing to see a brown man in this sector, in this industry, actually have vulnerability and be like, I don't know everything, but yeah. I'm going to give it a go. We'll oh, see what happens. Shout out to Brene Brown. <laughs> <laughs> I learned yeah. one of those on one of those uh, self-help books is like, you know, vulnerability, you know, oh, and I was like, oh, I get it. No armor. So, like, just thinking about this idea of being in service, I, I just want to ask you a couple more questions and then we'll wrap our conversation up. Um, so one of the co-papa that you're working on at the moment, mm. Launchpad, mm. could you tell us a little bit more about what that actually is and what you're kind of hoping to yeah. I guess, um, manifest out of that. <laughs> oh, she's a pretty big job, that one, you know, yeah. and this is what I'm now, you know, a lot of my time and energy is going into as part of a Launchpad team, which ideally is, I think it's just mainly about, you know, it's about the nonlinear path and it's about all these yeah. creative journeys and the constellation, let's just say, of stars, let's say it's the, the arts. But there's no map yeah. to how all these things are connected. And so you get the art sectors that are all so siloed out and it's like no one's talking to anyone, you know, yeah. like music doesn't talk to TV like that, you know, dance doesn't talk to, you know, visual arts like that. And so... Having worked in the, um, with rangatahi and and programs like this, you'll say, for example, get kids who come in, and the ones that I usually always do are music, right? But if kids come in and they're like, I actually want to be a director, or I want to be a dancer or a visual artist, it's like there's no there's nowhere for them to go, and so. What we're trying to do is unite the clans ideally and bring everyone together and bring all these art sectors under one roof yeah, for the next generation of creatives so that whatever, whatever kid comes through the door and wants to do, we have already mapped out the constellation. And so we have generations and generations of creatives who, you know, that's the that's what we do in this country. We don't like to toot our own horn. So you get no one's telling these stories. So when a kid looks at wanting to be a creative, 
the stories and the paths aren't there for yeah. them to see and understand like they are for other trades, you know, for all these other, you can go to Unitech and, you know, become a builder because yeah. there's a way through it. But there's, there's what we're trying to do is put it all under one roof and unite everyone. So this would only work if everyone's on board. And so, for example, you get people like, I was talking to my friend Gene Rivers, who's an amazing DJ, and he was like, when I was telling him this idea, he's, for example, he's like, his uncle used to record, have like, it used to be like the Motown studios of Aotearoa, and that was out in Odahu, and he was recording people like uh, Sir Howard Morrison and all this stuff. And when we, Gene's like, oh, you need to let people know. He's like, ah, nah, no, we're like, oh, I don't want to talk about that stuff. But it's like, this just keeps happening. And so yeah. these young artists, no wonder it's like a scary looking journey. It's because no one's talking about, you know, all these amazing different ways you can navigate the art sector. And it's like, for like I've started off in music, but now here I am with like clothing and then moving into you know, this line of work and stuff. And it's like, it always changes. And it's like, we need to kind of find all these creative stories, all these examples, bring them together along with the sectors themselves. Yeah, yeah, totally And so agree. we've received funding <clears throat> from MCH to run our pilot next year. Awesome. And so we're going to start the pilot off. But, you know, if you see us out there doing our thing, or I'll probably be approaching most of you guys, but it's like we need to bring it all in together for the next generation because at the moment it's like it's uh, seems very unorganized, you know. And it's I just yeah I don't think there are any cl clear pathways really. Like I didn't intend on being a producer. Mm. I kind of just fell into producing because there was a need for mm. it within the community that I engage with of having good producers who can produce queer stuff mm. um but yeah for the emerging artists coming up behind me they're like how did you do that i'm like honestly mm. i kind of just faked it till i made it and mm. just tried some stuff and then figured it out as i went along and asked people exactly lots it. of questions and i think yeah there needs to be more opportunities for our our rangatahi and our emerging practitioners just to have conversations around how did you do that mm. and where did you do that and so, what does that yeah, look like? I'll definitely be keen to jump back on once we're on the way because that, you know, I, that's a whole nother episode. But ideally, it's like just around the personal growth, creative growth, and professional growth. And yeah. so, the personal growth is where, you know, we work with the rangatahi to kind of share the insights that we now know as, you know, established artists or as adults now. And so, all the stuff from, you know, self care to, you know, mindset to to all these things that you know we now implement whether it's meditation or nutrition or all these things yeah. is like so you can offer them you know the skill sets they need to be prepared to come into the art sector you know because it can be a volatile place but as long as they're looking after themselves they'll have a better chance of navigating it successfully absolutely and so that's you know the personal growth then you move into the uh, creative sector which is just the one hub so we have the physical space then we have the online um, part of it which is you know we there's 
many people behind the scenes, yeah. but that make like this is uh this is a project that has the tech. Yeah. So there's a tech company behind it, but we have the community, you yeah, know, cool. and not that's why I believe this will work because you don't usually get both on the same page. Yeah. Yeah. You'll get tech who has no access to the real community, or you'll have the community that has all these fantastic ideas but no infrastructure, no yeah. way yeah. to execute it. And so that's currently like what's happening now. So we'll have the Netflix style dashboard for these young artists so that they can come in. They're familiar with it. It's exciting. Everything that whatever they type in, it's all the content is there for them yeah. to, you know, <clears throat> to understand. But they also work. It's a, you earn micro credentials, so that's it. It'll be indus- really cool. industry led micro credentials. So the space is, you know, offered to these kids. But then it's also offered to the industry at low discounted rates, so that. You can get the industry and the kids, you know, cross-pollinating, and then that's when the industry can then, you know, this this kid's profile that they're earning these micro-credentials can then be turned around and used as a recruitment tool. So any, yeah, anybody in the creative industry looking to hire a young creative gets a more well-rounded profile of the creative themselves. Instead of a black and white CV, it has their videos, it has whether they've passed like, you know, nutrition or meditation or yeah, like cold. whatever it is that we're still building. That's That's ideally what we're trying to do to help secure more you know work and sustainable careers ideally for these young kids that's really and then it's off into the professional growth where it's like all these stories that i'm talking about before or all these pathways is like that's where we can kind of help assist them into it instead of just a usual because i've done so many like workshops you know around the city and you just work with these kids who have all this crazy potential and enthusiasm and it's like you just do uh, you know, a couple of weeks with them or whatever, and then the program's done, and it's like, yeah, you got to. This is not shooting anyone down, but this is just what I've seen that the the furthest they get is like a performance at the community. Yeah, you know, at at the community um space, and then there's no no further you know follow up with that. There's nowhere yeah. else really they can go. So if we have a space like this, and that's why. You'll get most of the doers who will do it, but I'll be taking care of like Māori and Pacific ideally and underserved communities because I understand that we operate a little different and I'm exactly the same. I might almost be computer illiterate. It's like I don't like filling out forms like that. I need to talk to someone in person. Yeah. You know, I... If we had done this interview over, you know, email, I would have been like, why is this guy on here? <laughs> <laughs> because, like, we're an oratory culture, you know, and so sometimes, and I might have ADHD or, you know, like these kids are just freeze when they see the screen or, like, get put on the spot like that. So if you've got different ways to bring these kids in and look after them, then, you know, you'll really be able to get the best out of them. Yeah, amazing. I'm so excited for that. So one final question that I always ask all my guests, because it is, you know, you've really spoken quite beautifully about being future focused already, Lance, but what is your biggest hope for our creative community? Like what is your big, big hope for, I guess, our rangatahi, because you'll put quite a focus 
right there mm. for yourself right now in terms of the mahi that you're doing. So what's your biggest hope for them as we kind of continue to navigate forward? Yeah, I guess that they just, you know, get the same opportunities, if not more. Yeah. You know, the way that, you know, governments can change things up, you know, yes. like I just hope that they get the same opportunities, if not more, because, you know, if, and uh, that they feel supported, Yeah, you know, because there's no denying everyone loves the arts, but they all seem to come to the arts when shit hits the fan, Yeah, you know, and obviously there's that's an exception, but yeah, I would just love that these um, rangatahi and any artist feel supported, you know, friends, go to your friends' shows, man, like, yeah. and all these things, it's like with this social media and with the just distractions and overloading with everything, it's like people are missing their own friends' shows and stuff like that, and I don't think people understand what that feels like as an artist when, yeah. you know, friends don't support friends and stuff, and it's like, these are the little things I think people need to do to help build up, you know true artists yeah no i totally agree thank you lance thank oh. you for coming and having this chat with me today i really enjoyed this court at all oh thanks for having me thanks so much for listening to creative capital brought to you by te taumata toya ebe you can learn more about our mahi at www.tetaumatatoyaiwi.org.nz Please also get in touch with any feedback or ideas for the series too. Namahinui.